So fair warning, this might be like one of those PG-13 or way too long moments. So if you're under the age of uh, whatever age it needs to be, you might have some time in the back gathering area just to relax. When I see 10 people back there, we'll stop. But um, this is stuff, this is deep. the Beatitudes, it's, it's um, actually to be very transparent, I never liked this passage for like years. I struggled like, why, why is he telling us this? How are you supposed to live this? And, and, and can we even understand what he's saying? Um, but I did appreciate that in the, in the Chosen, this was the finale of the season of season two, episode eight, they kind of have this, what it might have been like for Jesus to be preparing the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew like talking to him saying, what are you saying? Like, what are you trying, what is, so it's really like even the apostles scratching their heads. Um, and Jesus says about the Beatitudes, he says, I'm making a map. It's a map. Whoever wants to find me will look for me in these groups of people the poor in spirit, those who are persecuted, those who mourn, the pure of heart, the peacemakers, the meek, the lowly. Look for me there. And it's important for us to realize, like, all of us are probably on the wrong page half the time. Going with the flow of, of today's society, it, it is going to go against our own inclinations. I was distracted earlier, but for what it's worth, if you want to just maybe, um, I don't know, read after me. If the way of Jesus... If the way of Jesus, way of Jesus is, hard for me, is hard for me to change my way, change my way. Maybe, I'm wrong. maybe I'm wrong. Just a, maybe I'm wrong. All right, you don't have to repeat the whole homily. But yeah, I was just going to say, like, like maybe, I'm, maybe my way is not the right way. I just need a little bit of openness of heart and of mind in a society which is so quick to say, no, the church is wrong and all this stuff. And then we can go forward. My, my takeaway from this is that um, it is hard to live these things. St. Paul would tell the early Christians, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Change your mind. Change your way of looking. Change your way of thinking. But I want to say it's a process. It is not an overnight decision. You know, snap my fingers, I'm all changed, it's all done. I live all these Beatitudes perfectly. It's a process. And I was thinking we might just kind of focus on on one, and allow it to kind of be an example for the rest. But because it is, it's a battle, it's a struggle. Our fallen nature hesitates before this. There's a, a disintegration of how we live and our, what we know to be right versus what we feel to be right, what we feel like doing, those don't always go together. And so it is kind of hard for us, sometimes very hard for us, a real struggle and a war within our own members to live out these ways of Jesus to habitually choose his values authentically. So I just want to talk about that battle and that process. And I was going to take one of them, maybe a little relevant to our society today, and um, highlight it. You can, you can apply it to all the other ones probably too. But Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. We can scratch our heads, maybe wondering what that means and how you're supposed to do that. Can anyone do that? And I just want to focus just for a moment that whatever it is that he says as a precondition to see God, this thing, this, this purity of heart, it enables us to see the body, the other person, as a temple to be venerated. Purity of heart is the glory of God in the human body. Bear with me, but I love this quote from John Paul II. He says, the body, the human body, and in fact only the body, is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual. It has been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world 
the mystery hidden. Take that for a moment, like your own body. Look in the mirror. You wake up and your, your hair is all disheveled. You don't like what you've seen. You've got that mole on your nose or whatever. And but that's not all of you. It just makes visible something that's tremendously profound and a mystery of who you are. Your body makes it visible. I can see the invisible when I look at you. When I look at your body. And because we're a reflection of God, you see God. Purity of heart is the glory of God in the human body. But because of sin, because of our brokenness, we don't start that way. We don't start able to see one another with God's gaze, much less as a reflection of Him. We struggle with that. I was actually struck. Anybody seen the movie Avatar? The first movie, Avatar? I haven't seen the new one, but it's out there. But I really appreciated the alien people, these tall, huge monster people, blue, very blue people. Um, when they would say hello to each other, when they, they would greet each other, they wouldn't say hello. They would say, I see you. I thought that very, very profound. I see you. In our society, we say, hey, hi, how you doing? I'm good. You? Fine. Good. Don't see me. I don't see you, and I don't really know if I want you to see me. I was thinking, um, we are made to see and to be deeply seen. We are made to know and to be deeply known. We're made to love and to be deeply loved. And yet today, in our wounded and twisted hearts, that's hard. There's so much that seems to stand in the way of all of that. John Paul II would say, man is a being, he's made for love. He cannot, cannot exist without love. If he doesn't find love, he, do, he doesn't make sense to himself. It's so fundamental in our makeup. But there's so much in the way of our efforts to love a person purely, much less to behold a taste of God through that love between us. And that's why relationships today seem to be so hard, so full of drama and misunderstanding. And even if you kind of zoom out a little bit, our whole society seems divided. Between men and women, there's this kind of reduction, for example, of today's men, the man, you know, male men. You know, they're just kind of like, we, we hear like, oh, they're just animals, they just follow their instincts, they just, you know, all they want is football, sports, fishing, sex, video games, and their belly is their God. And men today are looking at me like, sure, what's wrong with that? No, don't, don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Because there is so much more than that reduction. And also sometimes for women or for relationships, for, for love, sometimes it's just reduced to, I don't know, some sort of manipulation. I'm doing this to get something out of it. I can't say I'm committed to you in love. It's just convenience or it's just the status or the pleasure or whatever else that I get out of it. I'm really not loving you. I'm more like I'm using you for something else for me. And you hear a lot today between our women and our men, like, we don't need you, men. We don't need women, women. Like, we don't need men. It's anything but, I see you. It's kind of sad when today's top, one of the top industries today, the wealthiest industry is pornography. They say pornography is seeing too much of something, of someone. It's actually seeing too little. You're not seeing that person. You're reducing them. Jesus says, whoever looks at another with that lust, that twisted desire in their heart has already committed a grave disordering, a grave sin. You're missing so much. 
Even in our social dealings, for what it's worth, like when you go to work or school or a party or something else, and a lot of times, like for girls or guys, like you're looking at guys look at girls, girls looking at guys, like like with a filter. You're kind of scanning the room, like okay, this guy's got this quality, that quality. He's kind of hot. He's got this other thing, and I like this thing. So he, I might spend time with him. He might he might be worth my time. Girls looking at the guys, like I mean, he's kind of hot. He's dateable. He's not dateable. He's, and you're just kind of sifting through, like nope, oh, nope, not that one. Nope, you, not, nope, not that one. Nope, not good. Not worth my time. And we don't see that person in front of me. They're not seeing each other, they're not communicating. I see you, I'm interested in seeing you just for who you are. You're worth my time. We're not trained in that purity of heart. In fact, we've been untrained, deconditioned. So that's really hard for us to do what Jesus tells us to do. Our hearts are broken in that sense. Because of sin, a person encountering a person of the opposite sex is attracted to them, yet does not simply and spontaneously experience real love, but at first a feeling, and then kind of muddled by a longing to enjoy or to take or to whatever, but, but it's kind of twisted. What do I do with that? So our broken hearts are often a battlefield between pure love, real love, and some sort of twisting or lust or use. They talk about utility, like the other is, is a value to me if they are, you know, give me something or, or I guess some status because of this relationship or, or like even just a distraction, many of us sometimes coaches, like the feeling or my perception of my coach is I'm only good enough for him if I can do whatever. If my dancing routine is perfect, if my sports is perfect, then I'm good enough for his time. But what I get out of this, all these things, social media, right, there's kind of such a reduction. That your one little tweet, that's who you are. Your one little TikTok video, that's who you are. Like, there's so much missing there. Fashion, too. I just think fashion today sometimes is, it's, it's a little weird. It's just the scantily stuff or the super tight-fitting stuff that just kind of, instead of seeing the person, it just draws your attention to parts and not the whole. You don't see their eyes. It's the last thing fashion seems to want you to see today. The more that use or lust or this twisted desire has dominion over our hearts, the less sensitive my heart becomes to the gift and worth of the person. Let's say that again. The more that use or lust or that twisted desire has dominion over our hearts, the less sensitive my heart becomes to the gift and worth of the person. Insensitive, not sensing, not seeing. Imperceptive. I'm only seeing the reduced version, the parts instead of the whole. So this purity of heart that Jesus talks about, it's a training, or it requires a training, a reconditioning, a reintegrating, right? Because my senses, my faculties are sometimes disintegrated. They're not all together. I need to learn how to see, not just with my animal instincts of, oh, like, this is good, I'm going to eat this, or have this, or take this, or look at that, or... I'm going to look beyond that. My spirit's going to engage, and I'm going to see beyond the physical to the hidden mystery that's there. I don't just feel good around you, because love is not just a feeling. I choose you. I look to see your heart, because that's you. 
But we do need that training, that, that um, discipline. This purity of heart, it's the successful integration of our desires, the harmonious unity in our animal and spiritual nature, the body and spirit working together, not separated. It entails an apprenticeship in self-mastery, which is training in human freedom, because you need to train freedom, because we're broken. We tend to choose wrongly. We need to train ourselves to choose rightly. Either man or woman Sorry, the alternative is clear. Either man governs his passions and feelings and finds serenity, or he allows himself to be dominated by them, a slave of feelings and passions he cannot control, unto misery, unto division. Self-mastery is a long and exacting work. It presupposes a renewed effort once in your life. No, every period of your life. That peace of the interior gaze when I can serenely just look the person directly at the person, look them in the eye and see them and behold them. When does marriage prep begin? Y'all heard me say this before. When does marriage prep begin? Six months before the wedding? Or how about when you're five years old, seven years old, 12 years old, and forming habits? real habits, when you're a teenager and you're being tempted and stuff's going on in your heart and your mind and you're learning how to discipline it, how to handle it, so that you're ready. It's like they talk about like purity of heart or, or chastity. It's like a whole bunch of no's to everything. It's not a bunch of no's. I mean, yes, there's moments when you say no. But it's so that you can make a yes when it counts. But if you've never learned to do that, to say yes to these very natural inclinations, natural instincts or whatever, you never learn to let your mind guide them by saying no to many of them. Your yes doesn't mean anything when you go to give it. You're not able to make that yes last. It's yes today while it's convenient, but tomorrow when it's inconvenient, that yes doesn't mean anything. It becomes a no. That's why the church often does encourage engaged couples, hey, if you're living together, might want to take some time apart to recondition some things to train some things. But the struggle is real. That's my point. Is that in all these Beatitudes, the struggle is real. When we were, I was, I'm sorry, this is all actually coming off of a seminar that I was helping at, um, or present at for a couple of days. But um, the speaker shared, and he kind of called out women. He says, women, you, you all are more sensitive to this sometimes. Like, you know when a guy is, is looking at you in a way that's not quite right, maybe it's creepy, okay? He's just he's looking the wrong way, and you feel it. Now, if you have that security and there's that sense of yourself and your dignity, the tendency might be to cover up. I'm not comfortable. I'm not an object for you to stare at. I'm a person for you to see and to receive. Maybe even to venerate in the right way. If there's insecurity, sometimes it might be to uncover because you're trying to get something that you don't have inside, which is sad, but real. One of the women at the um, seminar, she kind of commented, you know, when someone looks at me, when a man looks at me and sees me, like almost as a brother, it feels so good, it is so healing, she said. 
to be seen that way. Husbands and wives, just a little imitation. Like, if you have that gift, it's a tremendous gift. It may need to be developed, but work at it. But just take a moment, not to sound cheesy, but like at some point, look at each other and say, I see you. Or maybe say, I feel seen by you. I like feeling seen by you. It is a struggle, and I'll just um, leave off maybe with a few suggestions. Because we do need to grow in this. We do need to recondition our bad conditioning. First of all, ask for the gift of purity of heart that our Lord calls us to. He says, blessed are the pure of heart. When you have that freedom and that ability to just see one another. And through each other, maybe even get a taste of God. So pray for that gift. Now put outside as you leave, please take one of these little cards. It's a litany. I call it litany of purity of heart. Also litany of chastity. But just, it's not just that. It's like, it's realizing there are real hurts today because of our failure in that quality, our lack of that quality. And we're asking our Lord to heal our hearts heal our wounds, and enable us maybe to see ourselves and others the right way, the full way. So yes, pray with it. Take one of those home, please. Don't leave them there. I don't want to see any left in the box today. Um, Pray for that. Secondly, suggestion, self-mastery. Little things that you might do to discipline your heart. And it doesn't have to be like just just in the area of of relationships. It could be like, like, by the way, that's why the church actually for 2,000 years has had the wisdom to say, you know what, twice during the whole year, 365 days, you're going to devote about 80 days to some sort of fasting or giving something up or saying no to your instincts. We call it Lent and Advent. And it's there because the church knows that we are, are struggling and we need to do those kinds of things. A lot of the guys today are doing Exodus 90, that kind of thing. It's the same you would do for football or sports or dancing. You push yourself and push yourself and do hard things. You lift weights, which is the dumbest thing to do. Why would you lift metal that is heavy for you? Unless you realize that by that self-denial, you're actually growing. That's the point. I don't lift weights. But anyway, um, I want to say healthy friendships. Like one or two or three deeply healthy, wholesome friendships without any kind of like, I don't know, benefits or the sexual stuff on the side, just really someone that you can be seen by and be yourself with without any sense of where is this going? Are we going to date one day? Are you going to ask me? Just be present to each other fully. Look that person in the eye. See them. Form that habit of being in a relationship that isn't really for what I can get out of it. It's just a relationship because it's awesome to be with this person for who they are. And vice versa, to feel someone choose me for me. Lastly, stay close to the sacraments. Stay close to confession. Stay close to the Eucharist. Our Lord's saying, live like me. But to do that, we want to be nourished on Him. Because it is hard. We need that strength. And when our mind doesn't understand these things and our hearts can't live these things, we need confession. We need that grace to change our ways because my ways might be wrong and his might be better even if they're harder for my broken nature. My way of thinking might be missing something. He's God trying to shed light for my mind to see more clearly. Don't shut out that light. Not without at least trying it for a while.
So the litany out there, pray for it. Self-mastery things, wholesome, healthy friendships, looking at others in the eye, looking at that person, and then the sacraments. Some simple things. But it's real, and our Lord says it because He knows we need it. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. It's a task worth embracing. Whether you're married, whether you're not married, whether you're an adult or an older person or just a kid, embrace it. The struggle, which is real, and the exercises to build with God's grace that quality and all the Beatitudes, which take effort and they are a process. We ask the Holy Spirit to give us what we need to do what is hard for our broken nature. We ask the Blessed Mother to intercede for us and to help us really see all of these qualities, all these Beatitudes and the purity of heart, for example, in the gaze of Jesus himself first. Remember, he's not partially man. He's fully man. He knows the struggle. But when he looks at you in all your deformities that he sees perfectly and in all your beauty that he sees perfectly, he sees you. And when you get... When you receive that gaze, it makes it easier for you to understand what it's like to look at someone else with that gaze. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.